Well, Merry Christmas to you all. It's so good to see you all here this morning. Glad you braved the cold and uh, came out this morning. We have a fun uh, time afterwards for the kids. Well, I'm inviting up a little bit of help here this morning. Instead of me reading the Christmas story, uh, I've enlisted the assistance of three beautiful children, and um, I'm a little biased on that. So guys, I'll just turn it over to you. Why don't you start, Mr. Chase? Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed by Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just an unwilling man to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to them in a dream, saying, Jesus, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth of a son, and he called his name Jesus. Nice job. The question is, is that favoritism? And the answer is yes, it is. So there you go. Well, good to see you guys all again, as I said. And uh, that's really the focus of our morning is the Christmas story. We've been in the book of Romans for quite a while, but we're going to take a pause on that and spend a little bit of time looking at really just that title that we see given in verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that's where we're going to spend our time this morning talking about the name Emmanuel. And just to be clear here, because upon first read, you see that and you're like, okay, he's going to be called Emmanuel. But then it says at the end of verse 25, and he called his name Jesus. Have you ever wondered, wondered about that? You're like, wait a second, that, that's a little bit confusing. Well, there's a difference between names and titles. So the title, Emmanuel, speaks of his nature and who he is. Kind of in the same way, a little bit later in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah describes, they said they're going to call him Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of those things were things that he was saying were true about his nature, not specific to his name. So the, the title, Emmanuel, you might be a little confused because they're like, but I thought they called him Jesus. In the same way, all the way back in the beginning, God said, we're going na- to call her woman. And then, uh, then Adam named her Eve. And you're like, what's going on? Because again, a title versus a name. So the, the title, Emmanuel, means God with us, which is, if you haven't stopped to think about that, is a really big deal is a very big deal, and we're going to spend our time this morning talking about the fact that this God with us 
wasn't first, it wasn't the first attempt of God coming to be with us. Really, history is an outline of a variety of efforts on God's behalf just to be with us, to be with us, his people, his creation. And so it's a pretty beautiful thing. One, it's going to tell us a lot about who we are and our value, and it's going to also tell us a little bit about him and, uh, and how he feels about us. And so pretty excited to explore this term or, uh, or, or title God with us, but let me pray before we do that. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity this morning specifically to celebrate you and what you've done for us. The idea is just baffling to think that you would leave the throne room of heaven to come down, to slip into a, an earth suit, if you will, to be amongst your creation. We celebrate that this Christmas. God, I pray that you teach us from your word this morning. Help us understand that that's always been your desire, to be with us. Allow that reality to sink in and to shape our thoughts and perspectives on on everything about this life and our interactions with others. God, I pray that you'd speak to us now. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So I want to start just by a a little bit of history or backdrop of this, this idea of God with us being kind of through the timeline of history. And we can start by pointing all the way back to good old Adam and Eve. If you think of the time spent in the, the garden when God first created them, we see it in, in uh, Genesis 3.8 that he physically would interact with them. It talks of him walking in the garden, that, that he spoke to them. There was interaction, there was relationship that Adam and Eve had. It was God's desire from the initial design that he would be with us, that God would be with us. In fact, he, he came and he was amongst them and gave them only one simple rule, one single command, and you all know the story of how that went. We blew it majorly. We didn't, lo- we, we, we didn't listen to the one instruction that he gave us, and because of that, that perfect relationship that we had, talk about taking something for granted. Can you imagine you're walking and doing life with God and then not, maybe not even realizing the full impact of your disobedience? All of a sudden, that relationship is severed. And that's what happened all the way back in the beginning. So that was the first attempt of God being with us, and we blew it. Then there was a long period of time before God made another attempt to be with us. In fact, a, a, a long time, and during that, that time period, he established a covenant relationship with the Israelites so that they could get to know him and show him to, to those around him. But all the way through that season of time, there was no effort for him to just be with us. There was time periods and, and examples of him revealing himself to us through Job had an encounter with God, Moses, there's the outlines of, of many encounters with God, but no direct Uh, attempt to be with us all the way until the Israelites in the wilderness. You remember that story, don't you? The the plagues that that he sent to uh, cause them to be set free. So all the way during that time, he had not been with them. But then after they're, they're set free from captivity, they're wandering in the wilderness. It was God's next attempt of being with them. In Exodus 25, 8, we read actually God's words to Moses. 
And he said to, the, to Moses, he said, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. He's like, all right, I think we can, we can give this another effort, another try of me being in their midst. And in fact, they, they actually obeyed. He gave very specific instructions on what to do. You can actually see a picture here on the, the screen of what that, uh, it was called the tent of meeting looked like. He had a, a, a perimeter around it, but then a, a place where he would specifically dwell. In Exodus 40, 34 tells us, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So why you, you can see a picture of it, it, it up there, you're, you're thinking, well, how do you have a picture of it? We, that's obviously not a, a real picture of it, but Scripture is so clear on the specifications of how it was built, you can actually recreate a, a, the idea of what it looked like. But this was very different from when Adam and Eve were here, right? At first, he's, he's walking and interacting with them. Now, because of our sin, there's a degree of separation. So you're like, man, it doesn't seem quite as intimate with God as the initial design, but really, beggars can't be choosers, right? Any degree of being around God's presence is a good thing. And the people recognize that. They're like, all right, well, we'll take what we can get. This is a, this is a big deal, God choosing to be amongst us. Why was it such a big deal? Why was it such a big deal? See, I, I would say that there's one of the, these things in life that when you taste something that's good, you're like, oh, I can't imagine not having that any longer. I can't imagine doing life without of it. So they had seen what it was like from the very beginning and, and maybe passed down from generation to generation. You don't understand how good it was back when God was with us. Now to even just get a little taste of that, you're like, oh, that's better than life. It's a, the idea of doing life without him is like sitting, anybody go to Star Wars, uh, the, the, the movie this last couple days, anybody, no spoilers here, we're going to all keep, I haven't seen it yet, Monday afternoon, you know, my day off, uh, we get a chance, but, but imagine how long you would sit in a theater and just stay content if they never turned the screen on. You know, if you just sat there and you're like just waiting and waiting and you're in this dark room and you're in this dark room and they, they never turn the, the, the light on, that, that's the kind of the same idea of life independent of God. I knew I had to find a way to pull Star Wars into the, this analogy, but the, the, the idea, this picture, it, it, it's like Starbucks without coffee. It doesn't make sense. It's like Burger King without beef. It's like, it's like the Boy Scouts without a fire. You know, like, like it, it, just, it just doesn't work. Like life independent of God's presence doesn't work. And they recognize this. So they said, all right, well, let's build them something. And, and, and they even, when, when God threatened to remove his presence from them, I love this interaction Moses' response before they'd gotten into the promised land, he says this about the idea of him leaving. He says, Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct and I, your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? He recognized that, man, if you're not with us, what's the point? 
If you're not with us, what's the point? And I come to that same conclusion, even with us here in this gathering, even as a part of a church, even life today. If God's not with us, what's the point? What's the, what's the purpose? So, in that time, a second attempt at being with us, they decided after they're in the promised land, David had this great idea because David was a man after God's own heart. He said, you know what? Well, I'm going to build a more permanent structure. This whole idea of this, this movable tent, like, man, we got we to gotta build a, a nicer house for him. I, I want to set the, the stage so that God can be with us constantly. So he pleaded with God to build him a temple. I think it's fascinating, though, fascinating, though that God didn't allow David to build him a temple. Did you know that? First Chronicles 28, 3. This is, this is David talking. He says, But God said to me, You may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. So David didn't make, make the grade. David, David's like, uh, God's like, Nope, I'm not, I'm not letting you build a temple. But he did his next opportunity for God to be with us. This is a little history. Stay the course. We'll get to some more practical in a second. So, but, but God allowed him to, he said, you know what? But I will allow your son. So Solomon was able to build God a more permanent temple. You see that in 1 Kings 9, 1 through 3, that God, after, after Solomon's fervent prayer and uh, humility before him, God said, all right, I'll let you do it. 1 Kings 9, 1 through 3, as soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, in the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him in Gibeon, at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before you. I have cons- consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. So God Again, here's a, a picture of that temple that was specifically outlined, a little bit more impressive uh, than the one in the, the tents. This one was a, a, a huge archaeological feat, and you can see all the, the details and pretty uh, ornate and gold. And, and God, again, described perfectly how he would set that up. But in order for someone to go into the presence of God, there was, it was protected in that center area. It was called the Holy of Holies. And you remember, we've talked about this before. It was a big deal. Only once a year, the high priest would, could, could go in and atone for the sins of the people. And remember, we talked about this. He wore bells on the end of his, on the end of his robe. And even some, some uh, uh, outside scripture point to the fact that they even believed that he ha- they had a, a rope on his ankle in case he didn't make it out. And, and so like this was a big deal. So once a year, you're able to go in to get just a taste of God with us because of our sin it had de- created a divide a, a separation from us so this again was an attempt on God's behalf saying okay I'll dwell with you there's going to be some real demands to get through this in order to be present with you but my desire still hasn't changed I just want to be with my people well unfortunately much like the initial thing though those the people of that time period eventually rejected God went off to different false gods went their own way and Ezekiel 9 10 and 11 outlines outlines God's presence leaving the temple in three different stages never to return again prior to Christ 
This was 600 years of God's presence no longer being with them. And in fact, 300 years, about 300 years later, they tried to build another temple saying, oh, we'll build it. They had the mentality, if we build it, maybe he'll come. But it didn't happen. During that time period, there's a long season where God was not with us. But during that time, he hadn't given up his desire he hadn't given up the ultimate pursuit that would come in the story that my three kids just read to you, which was the ultimate expression of God with us. We read about it there in Matthew. We see that God chose to say, I'm going to. I'm not going to build a house. I'm specifically going to come down to be with my people. Christmas is God with us. Again, verse 23 of Matthew. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Pretty awesome reality. Instead of a, a house that he could dwell in and you get a little glimpse of him, he's saying, I'm going to come down, God with us. I want to briefly just break down just those three words. The first one is the idea of God. A lot of people are, there's a, a lot of debate on whether Jesus was a, a good man or a great teacher and very well respected. And, and, and you're in conversations with those a lot outside of the church. But here, even in his title, Emmanuel tells us God with us. That's who Jesus Christ was. That's, that's who he was. Jesus is God with us. And by his very own title, it pushes us to come to a conclusion of who was this man. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He was later, as you know, killed for that claim. So why is this a such, such a big deal? Why did it need to be God with us? The truth is, the reason it needed to be God is an infinite God was needed to pay an infinite penalty for our sin. This wasn't a last second ditch effort. This was something that was in the works for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it was perfectly predicted in the Old Testament. I love Isaiah's words. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name, what does it say? Emmanuel. So the, 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 this wasn't, and that, that's the part that breaks my heart about my Jewish friends. I'm like, oh, just read your own Old Testament. It, it, there, there's so many things pointing to this. Like, it's, it's not mind-boggling. Like, it's, it, it all points to the coming of Jesus Christ. So many prophecies perfectly fulfilled in Christ. But staggering to think that Almighty God would come down as just a, a normal baby. As just a normal baby. My wife and I, I remember we had a, a season of time trying to uh, get pregnant. And uh, just kind of a, a long extended time. And I remember when we finally found out the good news and, and going in and getting the, the ultrasound done. How many of you guys did the ultrasound thing? You know, the pretty exciting deal. Like hear the heartbeat, see the little squiggle on the screen. And you're like, what's that? And, and, and what, 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 you're, what, you're, what you're really hoping and, and waiting to hear from the doctor is you just want the doctor to say three simple words. We just, you just want the doctor to say three things 
everything looks normal. Everything looks normal. You know, you're like, whew, and exhale. You're like, all right, everything looks normal. I've always wanted a normal baby. You know, like, uh, that, that, that's, that, that's a big deal. But I, I think about that and picture that. That's what Jesus was. When Jesus, if there was an ultrasound on Mary, everything, he chose to come in the simplest of forms. He said, I'm God of the universe, shedding the royalty, putting that on hold, coming down as a baby. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't seem for us like that big of a deal because like our humanness is like, that's all I've ever known. Like, why is that such a big deal? Is it so bad to be a human? Like, why, why is that such a big deal? Our e-group was uh, reading a couple weeks ago, our discipleship, men's discipleship group, was, was reading the account in Revelation 4 that describes a, a picture of what the throne room of heaven looks like. Start reading that account and you start to get a little bit more of a picture of why this was such a big deal. Why the, the God, the creator of the universe, slipping into an earth suit, that wasn't a small effort. My uh, sister and her family choose to, to homeschool their kids, and about a month or two ago, I was over at their house and was, uh, was looking, and they had one of these uh, ant farms that they were showing to teach the kids how this whole thing works. Here's a picture of one of these, if you haven't seen one of these before. Ant farm, I feel a little bit like it's kind of cruel, but, uh, but anyway, you, you get to watch the, 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 these ants interact and kind of do their thing and d- dig their tunnels, and eventually they felt, I was talking to my sister if I could borrow it to show you guys, she's like, no, I, I felt bad, some died, and so I just set them free, and so, so she a- ended up uh, letting them free, uh, but, but this I- idea of an ant farm, you're like, man, I looked down to an ant, and it's creation. I mean, they're still pretty cool. I mean, they've got the legs. They've got the, the, the three parts. I mean, they're, God, God designed them pretty cool. But wouldn't you really want to think through that decision before you became an ant, right? You, you, you'd really want to weigh and consider that. You're like, man, there's, there's a whole lot that I'd have to give up, you know? Like, I kind of like the arms and legs thing that I got going. I like the, the brain thing. I like all, all of these things, all these faculties. The idea of becoming an ant would be like, Oh, I've got to shed this skin and get this small. I've got to, I, there's a lot to give up to become an ant, right? Well, imagine the same perspective only magnified a gajillion times of the creator of the universe, the one that spoke things into existence to say, I'm going to shed the glory of who I am and come down, not ant, as a human. To us, we're like, oh, that's just normal. Well, to an ant, it's normal too. But about this idea that the God of the universe would choose to come down, shed his glory, that tells us something. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why, why would he choose to do this? The only possible conclusion is he must think really highly of us. Have you stopped to think about that before? Why would he do something like that? He must think really highly of us. He must, he must elevate us to a degree that, that maybe we don't. We're the crown jewel of his creation that he would choose to come down to be amongst us. Like it doesn't, eat, our, our minds can't even wrap around that. So the next time you're feeling kind of crummy about yourself, you're like, uh-uh, I'm not letting that thought sneak in because I know the creator of the, the God of the universe Valued me so much 
that he became like me in order to rescue me. So allow that to sink in this Christmas season. So God, talking about that reality, but also the idea of with. Prior to Jesus, prior to to Jesus coming, God, when he revealed himself, was always revealed in a terrifying way. So this idea of him being with us, man, in the Old Testament, you read with Job, it was a whirlwind, a tornado, a hurricane, Abraham, a a smoking furnace, Moses and the Israelites, a pillar of fire, all of these terrifying means that we're exposed to. But here, with us, looked a lot different. Now, he came in the simplicity, the perfection of a baby. Luis and Amanda Barrios are going to bring up Dylan right here just for a second. That's the the sound that you guys hear. I had to borrow a baby for this. I'll take him. You want to hold this for me for a second? And I'll hold him for a second. Now look at this little guy. Look at this little munchkin. Look at this little guy. Look at those eyes. Like seriously, like is this not the cutest baby ever? And uh, Dylan is is a pretty cool picture for us. Of what that meant for the, look at the bright lights, right? Look at the bright lights, pretty cool, huh? Are you going to puke on me? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, but thinking about that reality of a precious little baby, can you imagine explaining that to the, the high priest from the Old Testament that went through all of these rituals, went through all of these cleansing processes, went with a rope on his ankle and, and bells on there just at the chance of just going in once a year, and now the God of the universe came down as a baby? So approachable, even snuggly, you know? Like, like I, I'm not even weird like that, but like, I kind of want to snuggle this little guy. But uh, I'll hand him back before he does puke. Um, <laughs> so cute, thanks. <laughs> Let's give them a hand just for a second. J- just the, this picture, this idea of with us, with us, that God chose to humble himself Explaining that to the high priest, he came down. What, what do you mean he came down as a, as a baby? Like in human form? That's how much he wanted to be with us? Your mind, your mind blown. God with us. So this extreme love tells us something about God's love for us. It also tells us something about ourselves. Something about ourselves tells us that each one of us has a choice as to what we do with all of these efforts of God being with us. It tells us each one of us has to determine what to do with God's attempts at being with us, all the way back from creation to in the desert with the Israelites, then in the the temple with Solomon, and, and now coming down in human form, it pushes us to choose what do we deal with this us piece us with him how do we respond to his grand gesture of love how do we respond to that each one of us is left with that decision in our lifetime and and it hasn't been something that's been real subtle it hasn't been something that you're like oh i wonder how he feels about us you guys remember when you're in the dating period of life how frustrating it was trying to figure out when uh, some of us still in it, uh, so it, it how frustrating it was trying to figure out well does she like me 
oh, does he like me? Does she, like you, bo- both of us all, all wrestled with it. I remember when meeting Adrian, and I'm like, I don't know. She, she seems like she might be interested. She smiles at me, you know, like, and, and, and you had to read these subtle clues. And what do you do? You, you, you go ask, a, try to find a girlfriend of theirs. And you say like, hey, so what, does she like me? Because I like her, you know, like there's this whole going back. And anybody else remember that? Or is it just me? Uh, the, the, uh, but going, that whole going back and forth thing, Well, I was thinking about that from a relational term. God has shown his interest in us in an extreme, non-subtle way. He said, listen, I'm not trying to play these games. I'm telling you that I'm pursuing relationship with you. I'm pursuing this. It's not a game. It's not a question mark. It's not something that we're left with guessing about. This is something that God has made completely clear that he wants to be in relationship with us. God hasn't been as subtle at all in his attempts to be with us. The question is, how will we respond to his pursuit? Like this quote from one pastor, a lukewarm response is not rational when we see who he is. A lukewarm response is not rational. It doesn't even make sense when you're just like, what, what, the, the God of the universe did what to try to be with me? Like a, a lukewarm, like, well, I guess that's kind of cool, you know? Like what? No, like that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. So for us, each one of us left with a choice, not just a choice for salvation because that's critical for our, our eternity, whether or not we choose to embrace him as our Lord and Savior, that's critical, but daily the choice. The invitation, well, will he be with me today? Will, will, will my pursuit, will that actually bear fruit? Will there be results from that? So it's for the believer and for the non-believer to, to answer the question, how will we, re- we respond to his pursuit of us? It's pretty awesome to think, so God with us, and how it's played out for those of us that have embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Scripture points out the fact that no longer does God just want to be with us. He's going the ultimate expression. Acts 7.48, Stephen proclaimed, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. Not the old, not the old way. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Do you see that? No longer in, in, in temples built by hands. God isn't just with us. The Holy Spirit allows him to be in us. Not just with us, literally in us. He's come in to set up camp. He's like, all right, man, if you're embracing this idea of being with me, if, if that's something you've accepted, my gestures, my, my pursuit, then I'm going to actually literally come inside of you and dwell you, live in relationship constantly with you. That's in the life of anyone that's embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that rea- allowing that reality to sink in that he's in us. Sometimes people are like, well, I know I, I prayed a prayer to accept Christ, but a lot of times I don't really feel like he's in me. I don't necessarily feel like he's present with me. If we confess, that's probably a lot of people, a lot of times like that whole feeling thing isn't there. This past summer, we had an experience. I shared it at one other point here where we we're in the ocean and in, uh, uh, on, the, on the east coast with our family, out swimming with the kids, and about 10 yards off from us, a pretty large shark 
comes out after a fish and exposes its whole side, probably a six-foot shark. It gets bigger every time I tell a story. And, uh, and uh, it's eight feet next time. And, uh, but, but, but this shark, this idea, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? What's kind of weird about being in the ocean, and this probably isn't going to help those of you that are already scared of sharks, is just because we see them doesn't mean that they weren't there all along, Right? Just because we see them, just our reality of actually there, and get, I finally got a glimpse. We were like, we grabbed the kids, we were out of there in like 20 seconds. Like, I was literally like a cartoon running on top of the water. You know, like, a, like a, it, it was an intense moment. But here's the, here's the truth that shark had been there for a long time. He'd been fishing probably for the last hour right by my feet, you know, like, and, and, I, and, and I had no idea of that. The same is true with the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You, you can't get sucked into this whole feeling thing. Just because you're not aware of his presence doesn't change the fact that he is present. So you think about that for a moment. And our minds, when our minds are consumed with this world and thoughts of this world, he seems really distant and really far away. But if we build a habit of dwelling on him, he will be increasingly present. Do you follow what I mean by that? When, you, when, you, when your mind is on him, when I'm constantly thinking about that shark being there, I don't know how I tied in shark and Holy Spirit, but, uh, but when you constantly are thinking about it, you're like, man, he's fully present. And the same idea with the Holy Spirit, the more we dwell on God, the more we're aware of his presence. When we start to, to see him in the, in the little things, when we start to see him in the, the gift of kids and the gift of, 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 of all the good things that he's created, you start to be more and more aware of him, interacting with him. You're like, man, I do sense his presence. He is here with me. And the more you taste of it, the more you want of it, that's what we're designed for this idea of God with us. It's a beautiful thing, not just with us, but in us. I want to conclude just with a little glimpse of the, the future, just so we know what's on the horizon for this idea of God with us. For those of us that, haven't, that have embraced Christ, the scripture teaches that he's going to say, eventually at some point take us, if we live to see that day, take us to be present with him. That's a, a pretty exciting day that we all look forward to. But those of us that don't embrace Christ, we're going to be left and what's pretty crazy to think about, Scripture, in fact, in, in Revelations 20, it outlines this idea that God is going to make one last attempt to be with mankind here on earth. In Revelations 20, we see the fact that he comes down and sets up an earthly kingdom for a thousand years. It's described as the millennium. So he's coming one more effort to be with man. One more effort, but then again, the choice. We see in Scripture that man is much like the other attempts is going to say, no, thank you, reject that. Not all, but, but, but many. So one more attempt on the horizon to be with mankind. But then the ultimate end goal for those of us that have embraced Christ, Revelations 21.3 talks about this. His efforts finally come to, re, to fruition says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. So all of these efforts at some point will come 
to a conclusion. For those of us that are in Christ, there's some pretty awesome days ahead. Some pretty awesome realities. What does that look like to be with God, to actually encounter, to have a relationship with Him, to be in the presence of Jesus Christ? What will that be like? We're going to find out if we've embraced Jesus Christ. But for those of us that haven't, you're like, oh, please, it's almost a plead, like, please don't not respond to all of His advances. Please, please, please respond Don't miss out on that invitation of God's effort, even this Christmas, God with us. Just a couple practical things, closing thoughts to leave you with. First one, God is crazy about you. God is crazy about you. He loves you dearly, desperately. He's wanted, ever since the creation of man, he's wanted desperately to be with you. It's seen all the way through the flow of Scripture. It's a beautiful reality. Allow that to sink in this Christmas. Second thing, his extreme pursuit is worthy of a thank you this Christmas. Anybody else agree with that? Wouldn't you agree that that, that, that degree of effort to be with us? Like uh, I would say that we should appropriately say thank you. Thank you. You came down as a, like an ant, like shedding off your glory. Like what? You, you came down. That, I would say, going into this Christmas season would cause appropriate thank you. Appropriate thank you. Appropriate praise. Slowing down enough from the gift buying and the chaos and craziness to say, to pause and say thank you. The very last one just to think about. His invitation for relationship is an ongoing invite. His invitation for relationship is an ongoing invite. For those of us that, that have embraced Christ, for those who haven't, it's an ongoing invite. Every single day is an invite for Emmanuel, God with us. How will we respond to that invitation? Even going into the next couple of weeks, how will we respond to the idea of God with us? Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for this reality as we've walked through a a bit of the history of your efforts to be with us. I thank you so much for that, that you didn't just create us and step away and say, good luck with that. You chose to engage us, to pursue us, even when we we rejected you and have rebelled from you and shaken our fists at you and said, no thanks, I'm not interested. You kept on, you keep on pursuing us. God, I just pray this morning that there wouldn't be anyone in this room that wouldn't respond to that invite, would, that would stop digging in their heels and saying no to that. God, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the perfect baby coming down to be with us, to walk amongst us, to heal the sick, to provide the ultimate sacrifice on a cruel cross on our behalf. Thank you so much for all you've done in the effort to be with us. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.